Wildwood Community Church exists to glorify God by connecting people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, as we gather here today, uh, wrapping up this year, I want to just uh, reflect on something with you. It's, it's very easy for us to, to not remember to say thanks, isn't it? I mean, even when we were kids, somebody would do something for us, and our parents would, would say, hey, what do you say? We had to be prompted, right? We had to learn to say thank you. Uh, sadly, that same orientation we have not always learned as it comes to the things that God gives us, which, let's be honest, is everything. All too often, we live out our, our days, and we fail to give God thanks for the things that He's done in our lives. And this is not something that's unique to us. It's something that's been around as long as people have been around and was even around in the lives of those who saw Jesus' earthly ministry with their own eyes. Uh, in Luke's gospel, and in chapter number 17, verses 11 to 19, we have an incident where Jesus is traveling um, towards Jerusalem, and he walked between Samaria and Galilee. And this story is shared. It says, as Jesus entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance, and they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now imagine this. Ten lepers, ten people suffering from this terribly debilitating disease that isolated them both physically and spiritually from everyone around them. And they see Jesus coming and they, they cry out to him knowing his reputation as a healer. And they said, have mercy on us. Well, when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed, meaning they were healed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice and fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now this one who turned back, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said to that Samaritan man, he said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now friends, I, I read that verse and reflect on it with us because we really want to be like that Samaritan man, don't we? We want to be the one who remembers what God has done and who regularly turns and gives God thanks. And yet all too often we're like the nine, aren't we? God blesses us and yet we don't remember to give him thanks. Well, if in the midst of this busy season, if you have, have forgotten to give thanks to God, this morning is an opportunity for us to do that. As we gather and as we worship as a church family, we want to give thanks to God for the story that he authored in our lives over the last year. We're going to be praising him all morning through a variety of stories that will be shared. You know, this morning's service is somewhat, as Bruce mentioned earlier, a tradition here at Wildwood, but even recently we were having a conversation in a staff meeting about a month ago, and John Abernathy said, wouldn't it be wonderful, I'm just looking around the room at the faces of people that God has worked in their lives in the last year, wouldn't it be great if we could hear some of their stories? And so we've set aside today as an opportunity to hear the stories of, some, uh, of how God has worked in some people's lives. But even as we'll have a few of those stories shared today, uh, I know that's not it. It's not like God only did these seven or eight things this year, and that's it. God has done many, many more things, and God has been at work in each of our lives, and we want all of us to have the chance to give a word of thanks to the Lord. 
You know, uh, a little while ago, I, I interacted with our staff and our elder team, and I said, share with me one word that reminds you of a way that you saw God work in 2017. One word that's a category of, of how God worked, like sustained was one of the words that was shared, or just thankfulness was another word that was shared, or some different things that happened in ministry or in their personal lives. Just one word summing up how God had worked. And we took all of those words that were shared, and we put them into this, this piece of art that reminds all of us uh, as a leadership team of the ways that God worked. Well, I want to offer the same opportunity for you all today. I want each of us to have the chance to share a word that is a reminder of how God has been at work in your life in the last year. And the mechanism that we're going to have to share that today is through these little note cards. When you came in in your bulletin, there was a white note card in that bulletin, or there were some note cards out by the doors as you came in. If you grabbed one, great. If you don't have one, you can grab one on the way out, or maybe there's one close to you and in the, the hands of, of a loved one or a family member that you're here with today. But, but here's what I want you to do. Um, at some point during the service today, as you're reflecting on what God has done in the lives of others, I want you to reflect on how God has been at work in your life as well. And as God brings to mind a word summarizing something of what he did, I want you just to write that word on this card. And then when we leave today, you can drop these in the buckets. There's buckets right outside each of our doors um, of, to this room and you can drop those there, and we'll take those words, and we'll make a piece of art similar to this, a reminder to us of the story that God has authored in our lives over the last year. So to kick off our time today, as we reflect on some specific things that God did in the lives of people, we're going to hear from one of our college students, uh, Megan Corbley. Megan has grown up here at Wildwood. She serves faithfully inside of our collegiate ministry on campus, and also uh, serves inside of our student ministry. And we're going to hear a little bit about how God has worked in Megan's life. I'm Megan Corbley. I'm a junior at OU this year. When I think back to the past year and what God has done in my life, I just, I'm kind of blown away by everything that's happened. So I started off my spring semester um, not really being that so um, close to God. I felt like I was, but I wasn't really living out a life of a Christian um, per se. And so... I remember just the whole semester I really struggled with feeling alone and not having a community on campus, um, which is something that I had been looking for since freshman year and three semesters later I still hadn't found it. And so the whole semester I think I was really just kind of like not wallowing in that, but that was always on my mind when I was in classes or at church. I was like, where is my community? Like, where do I fit in? Eventually I ended up in a Bible study with a couple other girls. And that was kind of when everything really changed. I was really challenged to study the Bible every day and dig into who God was and learn more about Him. Um, and growing up in the church, I had always known the Bible and read it, and I knew all the stories. I'd memorized a ton of verses, but I don't think it ever really affected me the way that it should have. And so through that Bible study, I realized my need for reading the Bible and getting to know God, because that's how you connect with Him. And so that was a great experience, being in that Bible study with those women. Um, they were pouring into me, and I just got to pour into them, too. So it was a great community. So then going into the summer, I accepted a job at Sky Ranch Cave Springs again. Um, so that was my second summer there. And I was super excited for the community that I would find there, too. Um, and I think going in, I was very expectant of, well, last summer I had these great friends, and so I expected to have that again. 
Um, but a couple weeks into the summer, I realized that I wasn't clicking with people as much as I'd wanted, and I just wasn't really getting out of the summer what I'd expected. And so the only thing I found myself able to do was lean into God, because that's the only place that I knew to go. Um, which was super cool because I had never really needed to trust in God and lean on Him um, and believe that He would carry me through the entire summer as tired and exhausted as I was. Um, so that was super cool, just getting to spend every morning with Him, um, learning about Him more and growing to love Him more in the midst of being exhausted every day and really struggling to make friends and, and work alongside 20 other college students for every day of the summer. Um, so then coming into the fall semester, I was kind of on a whole different page with God. I really desired Him and I wanted to learn more about Him and love Him more, um, which is something I'd never experienced. And I think that was when I kind of took a hold of my own faith and I realized that um, my relationship with God wasn't going to work if I wasn't putting any effort into it. I couldn't just talk about Him or think about Him and hope that that was good enough. Um, and so I came into... This semester, um, I joined the NAVS leadership team, which was awesome, finding a whole new community on campus, um, which was something I'd never expected to find. And then um, the Bible study I'm in now, it's just even more encouraging than the first one I was in. I am challenged so much to really put aside time to learn more about God. Um, and I found that this semester, I've been seeing the gospel in a whole new light, which is awesome, because I've grown up knowing the story of God sent his son for you, and he died, and that's great. Um, but it never really clicked for me, and so this semester, it's been almost a daily thing of me realizing, like, God loves me so much, and he doesn't want me to just live this life out, going to work and going to school. Um, he really wants me to have a relationship with him and a relationship with others, and so it's been super cool just learning that and growing closer to other people all year. Oh, praise God for how he has worked in Megan's life. Now, as we go through this morning and as these, each of these stories are shared, I want us to have an opportunity for all of us to respond. And the way that I want us to respond is when we hear a story like this, I'll prompt us and we can say together, thank you, Lord. Okay, so let's, let's try that together. Thank you, Lord, for how he worked in Megan's life this year. Another story of how God worked this year is found in the lives of Mark and Carolyn Bonji. Uh, Mark and Carolyn, you want to just wave at us. Um, <laughs> thank you, Mark and Carolyn. We just uh, love you all. Dear uh, members here at Wildwood and friends for, for years and years. And they um, shared this story. And this is from Mark and Carolyn about how God worked in their life in the last, in the last year. This is what it says. It says, we are Mark and Carolyn Bonji, longtime Wildwood members. The year 2017 was the best of times and the worst of times. January 1st, 2017 started off with a bang. Mark's defibrillator went off, shocking him 15 times. Can anyone say electrifying experience? Call 911. Take you back to 2015, five months after our daughter Ruth's death, Mark had undergone a devastating Widowmaker's heart attack. It destroyed the vital left ventricle section of his heart. Now his heart issue was beginning to get much worse. Through the years of 2015 and 16, God had given Carolyn the promise that he would be with us and keep us on the journey that we were taking. By January and February 2017, though Mark was very sick, 
He was at Oklahoma City's Baptist Hospital waiting for a heart transplant. Mark was near death on life support and weighing a frightening 112 pounds. But now let's move on to the best of times. God had a plan B. February 14, 2017, on Valentine's Day, a mechanical pump called an LVAD, L-V-A-D, was surgically installed next to his weak heart. The worn-out jalopy of a heart was now hooked up to a Ferrari race car. Mark, that's a beautiful way of saying it, brother. The difficult recovery time was a group effort of family and, of course, many Wildwood Church friends. Throughout that time, we were daily encouraged by a large 10-foot banner in our room made by Karen Vermelis that reminded us the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. We are indeed thankful for everyone's sustaining support and prayers. Feeling good and better every day, Mark is a new man, empowered by God's grace and Oklahoma gas and electric. His favorite verse is Psalm 118, verse 17, I shall not die but live and tell of the works of the Lord. Everywhere he goes, Mark tells his miracle story with the joy of the Lord. Is not life a mystery and a wonder? And to this, friends, we say, thank you, Lord. Thanks, Mark and Carolyn, for sharing that. Well, the Lord obviously did an amazing thing with Mark's heart. But there's another story of God working in the heart of one of our Wildwood members, and that is Claire Hopper. So, Claire, you want to come up here and join me? Claire is one of our seventh graders here at Wildwood and a dear friend. And uh, Claire, just take a, a moment and introduce yourself to us and let us know a little bit about what happened to you this last year. I'm Claire Hopper. I'm in the seventh grade at Alcott. And this past year, I was at my annual checkup and my nurse, my nurse practitioner, Martha, heard a murmur. And then a few weeks after that, I had an ultrasound, which told us that I had a hole in my heart. And then we figured out that I would be needing open heart surgery. Wow. So here you find out you're going to need open heart surgery. I got to ask you, were you afraid? Yes, I was afraid. But Matthew 8, 26 says, you have little faith. Why are you afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the waves and the winds, and it was calm. That verse reminded me that um, I was in his boat. Amen. I love how the Lord encouraged you through his word. And during this time, I know there were many of us who were praying for you and your parents, Brian and Stephanie, they, they shared with us some verses to even pray over you. One of the verses they shared was Proverbs 31, 25, and it says this, she was clothed in strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. Guys, that was being prayed for you. Claire, how did God answer that prayer about laughter? Um, I figured out about my surgery about three weeks before it happened. And in those three weeks leading up to my surgery, it was full of laughter and entertainment that made me laugh. And even at like the pre-op appointment the day before my surgery, it was a great day, and he knew just what I needed. Wow. You know, the Lord encouraged not only you, but even your whole family. And, and one of the things I know, uh, your, your dad was telling me that during that time, he's praying that God would bring the right surgeon along, and then there was something that happened with a truck. Uh, the, the, can you maybe tell the story about the truck your dad saw and how that encouraged y'all? Yeah, so my dad was driving down the road, and a random truck said Burkhart, which is 
my surgeon that ended up doing it. And underneath his name were the words knowledge, integrity, and success. And Dr. Burkhardt did my surgery. Wow. Now, now just, just, just to make sure you understand, Burkhart, Dr. Burkhart didn't have a truck driving around with this information on there. This is for another business, but so thankful that the Lord and his providence had that truck pass right by as you were praying for the doctor. I mean, just, just an amazing, amazing story of God's care for you and for your family. Um, well, Claire, going into this, this obviously is a massive surgery. It's a big deal, but um, did you understand it was a big deal going in? I mean, what, what were your thoughts about that? Um, I don't feel like I fully grasped how big of a deal it was till I woke up with wires, cords, and monitors attached to me. Um, a few weeks before my surgery, Nathan and Heather Hales joined my parents' small group, and I got to babysit her kids. And it ended up she works on the PICU floor in the hospital that I was at, and it was really relieving, and it felt good that she was the first face I saw when I woke up. Wow. That's just so wonderful, the, the ways that the Lord cared for you in the midst of this, Claire and for your family. Well, you know, as people have been coming up, you go through something like this, a lot of people are, are, are thinking about you, praying about you, people you don't even know are coming up to you and talking to you. What's something that you heard over and over again from different people? They're, that they're praying for me. It's amazing what the power of prayer can do. Yeah. Amen. Well, and, and what is maybe one specific answer to prayer that, that came out of all this that you could tell us about? That I'm healed and my heart will go back to normal size. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Um, well, any last thoughts you want to share with us, Claire? Um, it was, I felt really loved by family and friends when I came home, and uh, God healed me using the power of prayer in many people, and I'm thankful and grateful for all God did for me. Amen. Well, we are so grateful and thankful for what God did in your life, Claire. And you know, one thing that just, just for you, know, I, I mentioned this to you before, um, but uh, Kimberly and I were out of the country. We were in Israel, actually, during your surgery, and we were really sad because we just love your family and, and just have been a privilege to see you grow up. Um, but even though we were far away, like many, we were praying for you. Your friends made these little bracelets that said, pray for Claire, and um, we were wearing those in Israel. As a matter of fact, there's a, a picture of our pray for Claire bracelet in the Garden of Gethsemane on an olive tree there. Um, don't worry, we didn't let her, we took it with us. But um, we just, we just uh, we're, we're, we're praying for you there, and it's been a privilege to see God work, and thank you so much for sharing your story of how God worked in your life this year. Let's give Claire a hand. Thank you. Well, we have this, this great privilege of seeing God work in a variety of ways, not just in our physical bodies, but, but also um, just in our relationships and the contexts of, of where the Lord takes us. Wildwood has a privilege of having a number of missionary partners around the world, and one of those missionary partners is a, a couple, John and Shannon Fitch, Fitzgerald. Uh, you all may have met John and Shannon. They're with the Navigators. They're currently in Guam. They were at Wildwood during a sabbatical year most recently. Um, but as they transitioned back to Guam, they, they saw the Lord work in some ways. And so we'll, we'll share a little bit about how God has worked in their life in just a moment. But in order to introduce you to the Fitzgeralds and to get to know them a little better, um, you can hear a little bit of their story here. Today, we're the Fitzgeralds, and we currently live on Guam. Uh, we went to Wildwood from 1990. To 1999, originally, when we were stationed in Tinker Air Force Base with the Navy. And then we most recently moved back this past year on sabbatical with navigators. During our time after the Navy, we served with the NAVs in Australia and in 
Texas A&M, College Station in Knoxville, and also have stayed in the reserves and God's called us back into the Navy this year and that's probably been our biggest surprise this year that God has done. Happy day from Guam. I'm Shannon Fitzgerald and here with my husband, we're excited to be back in the Navy, being insiders, reaching out to military personnel. So after spending some time here at Wildwood, uh, the Fitzgeralds with their daughter Addie uh, moved to Guam where they're uh, ministering there. And uh, they shared this about seven weeks after they moved back. Said, over the last seven plus weeks of transition, all three of us, Shannon, Addie, and myself, John writing this, have had more than a few moments of asking, what have we gotten ourselves into? We know the Lord led us here. And we find that we must gently remind each other of that truth as needed. At times, I still feel like my two weeks of annual reserve duty is up and it's time to go home. But home is here in Guam for the next three years. And we are grateful to be together rather than apart for another year like we were when I was deployed to Afghanistan in 2010-11. We remember well how hard that year apart was on our marriage and family, both during and after the deployment. The Lord is using all this to remind us of His calling deeper still into His love and of the pruning needed to bear much fruit as His disciples, as Jesus taught in John 15. Overwhelmed at times with feelings of inadequacy, we hear God remind us that our adequacy comes from His Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3, 5 and 6, that is living in us. He's driving us all deeper into Him and His love for us. We think about what God has done in the lives of the Fitzgeralds. We say together, thank you, Lord. Now, it's wonderful that we have the chance to partner with those who go far away to Guam and to other places, many of our missionary partners scattered around the world. But it's also wonderful that the Lord gives us the opportunity to reach out to those even in our own community. To that end, one of our Wildwood members shared this. They shared it anonymously. They didn't want their name attached to it, but it's a wonderful thing. They said, I'm thankful to God this year for the many relationships He's given me with Muslims and for the way He has broken my heart for them. I never imagined I would ever have so many Muslim friends, but I'm grateful for the opportunity to show God's love to them and for them. And to this we say, thank you, Lord. You know, we have opportunities to reach out in our community, but also we have the opportunity to send people from our body out to the world. And, and just today and in the, the coming weeks, there are two Wildwood members who are going to serve Christ in the Middle East. Uh, we have Becca Bradford and Sarah Stewart who are, are headed um, to the nation of Israel, specifically first to the city of Jericho, the ancient city of Jericho, which is inhabited by Palestinians. It's in the West Bank. And they're going to have the opportunity to reach out to Muslims there, helping to fit uh, people into wheelchairs that need them, 200 wheelchairs that have been donated. They're using their skills that way and able to share the love of Christ in the process. And then after their time in Jericho, they're going to go and run a similar project to Holocaust survivors in the Israeli city of Haifa. And so over the next month, returning on January the 20th, we have some of our body that is going out, and we're so thankful for the opportunities we have to serve here and around the world. And for that, we say, thank you, Lord. Now, next, 
I wanted to invite up one of our elders, Dr. Wayne Berryhill, uh, who's a good friend and who has shared with us before in, in settings similar to this. Um, but Wayne has truly been um, through a lot, and his family has in recent years, but through it all has had a tremendous testimony of, of faith in God. You know, we, we talked about uh, the words that we shared as staff and elders, and, and Wayne's word initially as we were talking together was the word resurrection, because God had, had sustained him and, and given him new life. And so uh, to hear that story, uh, here's Dr. Barry Hill. Would it be too much to ask to put up that slide? with the anagram on there. So um, we're in danger of uh, missing out on some really good things here because we, um, you know, I'm going to tell a story of a bone marrow transplant. We have a heart surgery. We have a LVAD surgery. But the principles that we're talking about, the truths that we're talking about are prayer and time with people and word. So... Those things are applicable to you, to all of us, and we can't miss those. So um, God is calling out to each of us, and he has special words for us. And I love the words of Isaiah 55. Come to everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. I'm compelled to, to, to share this story, first of all, because God is so good. And whether I was sharing this story or my children were sharing this story or my friends were sharing this story, which would be have shared on this day in this same way with the same result that God is glorified, this is a great story of how good God is. God's goodness is present with us all the time in all things, and it does not change, and we cannot be separated from it, and God cannot separate himself from it. And how I did... And who gets to share this story doesn't determine how good God is. So here's the story. 450 days ago, yes, I am counting. I had a stem cell transplant. March 2015, I'm standing in my doctor's office doing what doctors do with Jeff Frederick, who is just, there aren't words for the friendship of Jeff. Um, answering Questions, scheduling surgeries, looking at CT scans, seeing patients. And one of the things that I opened was um, a doctor's day blood draw result that I had drawn the week before. Um, doctors don't go to the doctor um, and get their blood drawn. They don't check their cholesterol. They don't follow the recommendations like all we tell other people to do. So Norman Regional had given this to us, and so I got my results back. And in an instant where, like, sound and light and world come to a laser focus, I realized that I was pan-cytopenic. Pan, all, cyto, cells, penic, low, pan-cytopenic. It's the picture of bone marrow failure. I did really good in medical school. I knew that was a bad thing. I knew way too much. I know what was coming. So 
Um, after you get a result like that, you get to go see a blood doctor. Got to see the blood doctor. Blood doctors love tests. So we ordered some more blood tests. We did a bone marrow biopsy. Your bone marrow is kind of locked in the long bones and in the flat bones. And so we drilled into the flat bone of the pelvis and sucked out some bone marrow. No big deal. I went to work after that. The results were, yes, bone marrow failure. Good job, Dr. Barry Hill. Uh, myelodysplastic syndrome, a blood cancer where the bad cells prevent the good cells from growing, not making red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets. I was slowly dying with an increased risk of transformation to a more aggressive cancer, less responsive cancer over time. Recommendation? Observation. Diagnosis? Bad. Treatment? Could be worse. So, I was busy. I'm a husband, father, elder, doctor, farmer. I was staggered, disoriented. A train switched to a different track, a ship blown off course, overwhelmed, swamped by a rogue wave. There was this internal accounting of what I was going to do, what I was going to miss. This isn't what I had planned for. Graduations, weddings, funerals, births. What do you do when you're off course? When you don't want to be fearful and anxious, dying men know they need help. So you reach up. There's power in prayer. We heard Claire say that. God loves to hear our prayers and to answer them. So you reach out. Five years ago, I stood here and I got to share the amazing process it was to be with Ricky Wyatt as he worked his way through ALS and to watch a platoon of people reach out to them. If you're not a part of a small group, you should get into a small group. We need leaders. Find Brian Hayes. He can train you. Reach into the Word of God, or as Megan said, dig in. Colossians 3 begins, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hands of God. Set your minds on the things that are not set your minds on the things that are not on earth but above for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ where Christ is your for Christ is your life and you will appear with him in glory above the funerals above the weddings births dinners graduations and events James 1 count it all joy my brothers first peter 1 in this you rejoice, though for now, in a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing of your faith will be genuine. And Jesus says in John sixteen thirty three, I have said these things that you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Or Romans, or Paul from Romans 8, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth the glory that will be revealed to us. In Romans 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Philippians 3, indeed I count it joy. In Philippians chapter 4, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. David from Psalm 16, you have made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your pleasures are at your right hand are the pleasures forevermore. 
In Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of righteousness, even if you die. The word of God, the support of others, the prayer reconciled the truth of this situation to the circumstance. Yes, I would miss out. There would be FOMO. Fear of missing out for all of you who aren't connected to a teenager. I would miss out on all these things, but I would gain Christ. I know all these things, but there's a new, deeper, present understanding of it. So emotionally and spiritually, I was on solid ground, but I was declining. An April 2016 treatment didn't have the, the hoped-for result, and I needed a stem cell transplant. So we reached out to bethematch.org. If you're 45 and healthy, you can join Be The Match. Locked within you is the ability to save someone's life like mine. Every healthy person uh, should be on the, on the match. Only 2% of the population participates in the bone marrow uh, desi- or the repository. So I needed a good Samaritan. Um, I need so- needed someone to step across and save me and give me their stem cells. It, it is the picture of the gospel. It is, uh, I have a deep, dark problem locked away with me, cancer or sin, and I needed the blood of another to save me. Prayer warriors did their work, and on um, earlier that, or later that year, in May or so, we identified a, a match, but just as the Good Samaritan story goes, that man passed by and withdrew from the match. And then later in July uh, 2016, a 9 out of 10 match was identified for me. Transfusions began, work ended, and I began pre- preparing for a stem cell transplant. Um, all did not go well in this preparation. Um, I attempted to join the laundry team and failed. It was kicked off after four days of trying that. I dried some things that I am quite certain were not in the home economics class at Sequoia Middle School. Um, I was able to remain on the dishwashing team as long as I closed the door and started it before Stephanie could, could inspect it. But it was a beautiful picture of marriage. How could something um, be um, you know, better and worse all at the same time? Went to the hospital on day minus six. I began bone marrow killing chemotherapy and developed syndromes with acronyms and gained 20 pounds and felt like it pretty much sounds. And on day zero, my white count matched the name of the day. I had a transplant and I stayed in room 701 for 28 days. I went home. I began 100 days of isolation and a very slow return to life, scheduled regular life. So the recovery has been long and slow. It's a recovery I didn't expect. And 50% of the transplant patients who were in the unit uh, when I was there passed away. Didn't expect to be able to return to work. I've been able to do that in July. So people ask, you've called this your bone marrow sabbatical, so what did you learn? You're supposed to learn things on sabbaticals. So first, Claire said, prayer is our ally. I'm quite certain that the grace and mercy of God were extended to me through the prayers of thousands. 
Second, people have singled me out for being a survivor and being able to handle what God has been able to give me because God never gives you more than you can handle. Well, I completely reject those things. My word is sustained. Sustained by prayer, by God's future purpose of all of this, sustained by my friends reaching out to me. And I think that God always gives us more than we can handle because otherwise we run the risk of being prideful and not needing God. That's a dangerous place to be. Third, I am so thankful for all of this for where I stand. It's not over, but it's been such a blessing to see how good God is, how good God's people can be, how good it can be sent, or how good it can be to be sent to a place where you would not have choose to go and choose to serve in a way that you would not choose to serve, where the purpose is only what God can make of it. And God only does things for his glory. And this is the hope for the long-suffering for those who have been called to longer roads. God is calling us to serve in places where we wouldn't choose to go. And lastly, I love to read Charles Spurgeon's sermons. Um, In his sermon, Deep Calls to Deep, Psalm 42.7, Spurgeon says, Inasmuch as you have trials, remember the depth of divine faithfulness. You have not been able to comprehend the reason for your trials, but I beseech you, believe in the firmness and stability of the divine affection towards you. In proportion to your tribulations, so shall your consolations be. If you have shallow sorrows, you shall receive shallow graces. But if you have deep afflictions, you shall obtain the deeper proofs of the faithfulness of God. I could gladly lay down my life and think of the trials of life when it is over, but I recover myself and laugh, even as the daughter of Zion shook her head and laughed at her foes, when I remember that the mighty God of Jacob is our refuge and that he will not fail us nor take away his hand till he has brought about his purpose concerning us. Great deep trials bring deeps of promise. And all God's people said, Hey, brother. You know, Wayne, it's been a, a privilege to be a part of that platoon with you. And I don't know if you caught what, what Wayne said earlier, but the testimony he just shared that gives glory to God is a testimony that could have been shared by any of his children or by your wife today if the story had had a different outcome in our physical plane. But as much as I love your wife and kids, brother, I'm so glad you could share that story today. Friends, we can be thankful for the work that God does um, in things we don't choose. And uh, Wayne's story is a reminder of that. Uh, But also, uh, Valerie Hunt shared this story in a, a similar vein. She said, God's transforming power in the midst of hard trials is to remake us into what he wants us to be. The path that God chose for us was not the path that I would have chosen for our family. Although I may not understand his reasoning for allowing pain to afflict us, I can be certain that in Christ, our suffering is not pointless or merely a part of life, but it's God's plan for us, not to harm us, but to produce in us a genuine faith 
that is more precious than gold and that produces in us the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When we go through hard times in life, it refocuses our priorities and know what is important in life and to bring about a deeper understanding of faith in Him, that we can trust Him to renew our minds as we refocus our lives to His will for us in Christ Jesus. As we celebrate the incarnate Word, Jesus Christ, may we understand how deep and wide His love is for us. And to that we say, thank you, Lord. Friends, we've heard from a number of stories today of how God has worked, but these stories are not comprehensive. We could go on and on, and and as I mentioned earlier, there are ways that God has worked in your life, and we want to give you the chance to share a word of how God has worked in your life. And so if, if you would, grab that card, and if you have filled it out, wonderful, hang on to it. When you leave, drop it in one of the buckets outside one of these three doors. But if you have not done so already, as we spend some time closing our service Think about how God has worked in your life. Write down a word and drop it off. Then we'll create another piece of art that includes all of our words, and we can be reminded, like the one, not like the nine, like the one, we come back and we can say thank you to God. Father, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to worship today, and we thank you for the stories that are really your stories, stories of how you have worked in the lives of people we love, but we know you love even more. We pray now that you would guide us as we conclude our time by singing some songs together. We pray that that you would be lifted up and honored, um, even as you were in these stories, you would be so now in these songs. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.